Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie, and I am joined today by my co-host, Brent Philbin. All right. I am fresh off the toilet and ready to go. Uh, considering we've been sitting here chatting for at least 20 minutes, I find that hard to believe or very scared. Either way, uh, this is episode 151 and flagship number 55. So Friday flagship 55 coming at you January 18th, 2019. How you feeling, Brent? Uh, you know what? Relieved, less stressed. Great. I'm drink, drinking some, so some, some Zevia, little, little hipster uh <laughs> stevia flavored soda for for everybody they did not pay me for that plug that was just yeah you know. but you're hoping to get paid in it i can see that so let's cover uh what's coming up what have we done recently uh you just had that interview with simon Harmon, the co-founder of loki we dropped that yesterday afternoon it's the only episode of our podcast i think that i haven't listened to i haven't had time so i know you guys talked about some cool stuff so don't don't get your hopes up uh, uh, no. Nah, it was a fine conversation. It was great. Just, you know how it is, man. I don't ever appreciate my own recordings, right? Like, I listen to you guys, and I'm just like, man, they're so good. I listen to myself. After every show, I'm just like, man, I, I could have done so much better. I, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. And Hey, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, I just live in this bubble where I'm perfect, so I don't think back on things that I could do wrong. So. <sighs> Ignorance is bliss. So uh, we also recorded recently, uh, but have not released yet, the content creator panel. And this is something we've been very excited about, something you and I put a lot of time brainstorming. That is something I've not been ex been a part of. I haven't experienced it yet, but I know that last night we pushed the first domino and we let them fall. So what are your thoughts without spoiling too much? Yeah, I won't spoil anything, but it was it was super fun, super cool. I feel like everybody could have gone on for like two, three hours if we let them. But I was trying to be respectful of everybody's time. You know, nobody's going to say, hey, I got to go. No, honestly, like I, I, I might want to stop you there. And, and that was our first run. And we did it with content creators intentionally so that we could have a better understanding when we start getting, you know, CEOs and co-founders and whatnot. I don't know. I, I think we might want to start setting the, the setting the expectations of this can be a very long conversation and see – if we can get people to fit in that understanding, what do you think about that? Maybe. I mean, sometimes it could be boring, though. I don't know. Like, you might get a group of people. This group of people was not boring, though. This is this is a group of content creators. We had uh, Joel Com from the Crypto Basic Podcast. I'm sorry. I Fuck. <laughs> uh, Joel, Joel Com from the Bad Crypto Podcast. <laughs> hey, if you want to come work for us, Joel, we can't pay you anything, but we'd love to have you. Um, and Matthew Aaron from the Crypto 101 Podcast. And then we had uh, we had Forrest, who goes by Hashoshi on uh, on YouTube, stepping in and uh, coming off the bench for Crypto Candor. Her brother had their baby like two days early, so she had to she had to fly out and uh, and literal last minute it was not a it was not planned. So she was able to get us him. He's a Ethereum developer that does a bunch of YouTube content, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to hearing that and hearing what you guys talked about. That was one of the ones that we were real interested in. Considering, you know, the people we had on, understanding our responsibilities as content creators, what to expect. And honestly, that's, you know, something that's very important to us. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a fun panel. Tune in on Tuesday. It's coming out on Tuesday. 
All right, Brent. So I honestly don't know anything about this Ledger Nano X. What is the difference between that and other versions of the Nano wallet? Do you have any idea? Yeah, Ledger came out with a new wallet. It's going to be Bluetooth enabled. It'll work like on your phone. It looks a little sleeker. It's got bigger memory and that kind of thing. What does that mean? It, so now my my Ledger device is smart enabled with Bluetooth and like Wi-Fi, you said? No, not Wi-Fi. It, it just has oh. a larger memory. So right now you can only put like two or three, coin, uh, three coins, I think maybe four, on the Ledger Nano S. This one, you'll be able to store more coins actively. I mean, you can store them all on there, but you, you can only have so many apps installed. So two things this is having happen with Ledger. This is a little bit of a plug for us because Ledger has literally been the biggest affiliate link that we've had. Not that it's huge, but some of you have bought Ledgers and that's none of our other affiliate links have worked. What that says to me is that our listeners have already gone through all the other BS and they're concerned about security more than you know right. what the masses are when they come to us. So I, I take that as a good sign. So this does two things. One, this is available for pre-order. You can use our link in the show notes. It'll get you there for the pre-order. And also, it's it's lowering the price kind of, I think, permanently on the Ledger Nano S. So what was shown kind of as like a percentage off, I think, is now the permanent price. So this mm. new one, it's not going to ship until March. But if you want to get in on yours, that's super smart. So what Apple does is they they release the phone every year at the same time in September or what, or they announce it in September. They release it at the same time every year. It's a structured drop in price predetermined. So Nano, I remember they had this big 30% off sale all November and December. Everybody thought they were getting a great deal. And now they just added a way better product. Oh, man. Yeah. It's good marketing. So you can check it out if it fits your needs. Like, obviously, you don't need to replace your Ledger Nano, Nano S. You're going to have to move all your coins if you do that. It's not, it's not like an iPhone, you know, in the the new iPhone comes out, you got to really look at those features and be like, man, I want to upgrade. This is like, no, if you don't have one, cool, you have a better option now. And if you really like to spend money and time and want to send all your coins to this new thing, it's probably better. So that, that's it. Anyway, Mike, you've been uh, spending a lot of time checking out the SEC lately and you noticed something fishy. Uh, yes, there's always something fishy to find in the SEC. So this story I found particularly interesting. Apparently, uh, the Department of Justice has recently announced that hackers broke into the SEC database and made millions of dollars off insider trading. This is a pretty big story. So the, the key points real quick, the feds, they prosecuted seven individuals for hacking the SEC's corporate filing database. At this point, there's an estimated $4.1 million in direct insider trading that resulted from this. And, and that's only what they know for sure, right? And something when I came across that, the first thing I thought of was like, how do you actually like estimate how much the insider trading impacted the market? Like, if I think of insider trading, I think of like a, most of it's word of mouth or most of it could be, I know something, so I'm going to share it with this certain group of inner circle who right. then they share it with their group of inner circle. Like to me, you know, I feel like these numbers could be super low, but in any case, I went ahead and dug a little bit deeper. So the SEC uses the corporate filing system called Edgar. Um, the definition of that is the electronic data gathering analysis and retrieval. So this is way I, the way I understand this. This is probably just the deep learning tool that the SEC was trying to use. It's trying to automate data by the companies that usually require signatures and forms to be filed with the SEC. With the way I kind of understood this, and I wonder if you'd understand the way I am seeing this, is Edgar going to help maybe with the issues of like poker players that want to play 
big cash games, but don't feel like dealing with all the paperwork required of the filings, then maybe they could do it, you know, kind of up front and then they can be exempt from the individual filings each time because the way the laws are written. Does that make sense to you? I, I don't really know. I don't want to speculate on something that might be like a law. I haven't looked into this. I don't really know. Well, <laughs> you and I are the smartest people we know on the show. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's opinions time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I would assume that there are definitely some front end loading things to become an accredited investor or any of that stuff. So it's probably related to that and sounds like it has personal data attached to it at least anyway. Right. So here's some of the more details of it. Um, they stole the earnings announcements of up to or, you know, who knows, this could be more, but so far 157 corporate earning announcements and executed trades based on that information. Um, apparently these were known as test filings, which is something that is sent to the SEC before information goes public. A lot of this occurred between May and October of 2016. Not shockingly enough at all, the hackers used malicious software sent via email to SEC employees. So, <laughs> so what got me thinking, you know, sometimes I ask myself like, man, like, do these things actually work? Like as I'm deleting spam mail, that's just like super obnoxious. The answer is yes. The reason it's game theory optimal for hackers to be sending that because there are enough idiots in the world that are falling for it or doing something like to me it's absolutely outrageous that sec employees are going through suspicious emails right like that should be there should be somebody that combs through their emails before they click on things right like this is outrageous don't click on things i don't know like this has never okay actually i'm lying i was gonna say this hasn't ever happened to me but it did one time happen to me so i did get i did get fished i caught it right away so like even myself it's it was a paypal thing that right when i had moved they sent me a thing that said that my account like got declined and that it could be a number of things. And one of the reasons was that my account or that I had changed an address. And I that was sounds like, like a clever one. Yeah, The list of things is, was super broad when you look back at it. So it could have been anything. And then I go, I was like, all right, whatever. I click on the thing. I go in. I type in my username and password. Click submit. As soon as I click submit, I look at the bar and I see it's not PayPal. It was something similar. And I was like, oh, fuck. This is back, this is maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, when I was still using my same password for everything before I got real serious about security. So this was the first time that I got real serious about it. Went, I spent, I was playing poker at the time, racked up, got out of there, went home, got on a computer, changed everything. I mean, like, went ballistic. Okay, so you noticed it right away. Edgar got penetrated in somewhere in mid to early 2016 it wasn't detected until august of 17 that's when they found out about the breach yeah so i added a couple things like at least or as far as they know because you're telling me you have a solid idea of of earnings information insider trading that occurred over like an 18 month period like the scope of that has to be enormous right and um (laughs) maybe you don't send your earnings reports to a centralized authority that has a database somewhere that can be hacked. I don't know. Maybe. It, just a thought. Maybe something. Uh, not only do I up. obviously agree with that, I actually – I've intentionally avoided that part of this story because we're not done yet. Oh. So like they've been working on a big data project called Consolidated Audit Trail Database known as CAT. And this is something that hasn't been released yet to the public. But – 
It's basically a database that is meant to record every trade and order, both stocks and options, with the goal of providing enough data to analyze, provide enough data to analyze for detecting market manipulations and other malicious behavior. So basically, they're creating a database that they can examine all of the information, try to pinpoint money laundering on people or other crimes that are they're just circumstantial evidence. The New York Stock Exchange had to go out of their way to ask the SEC to consider limiting the amount of data that they're going to collect. It's an estimated 58 billion daily trades, as well as personal details such as social security numbers and data births of all the participants. Yeah, no way that could ever go wrong, Mike. You know what? I disagree with the New York Stock Exchange here. They should get as much data as they want, put it on a centralized server. It's fine as long as they use a really good password like password 12487. Like everybody else tries 1234. So if it's good like that, it'll work. It was a troll, Mike. Calm down. Oh, my God. Mike's face is like, I just like, no, No, I don't agree with them. Like, yes, there's so many points of failure here. Yeah, there's so many leaks. There's so many like cracks. And they've got people clicking on fucking spam porn, spam emails, giving out their information already. So um, start with one of the one of the estimated traders. uh, They they announced that they suspect he made about two hundred and seventy thousand in a single day based off this information. So (sighs) how are they getting that info? I don't know. But. This is a big deal, and this is the beginning of many – well, not the beginning. This is the middle, actually, of many, many more very similar stories that are just like this. And, you know, this is why we need crypto. Yeah, I'm sure. Look, this is not – it's probably not over. They probably haven't caught everything. But what I will tell you is that that the amount that they were able to steal from the market via these insider trades pales in comparison to what we're going to talk about next. That is true, and uh, Cryptopia has been hacked – and, you know, we touched on this on the Our Cryptocurrency weekly chat on Tuesday morning. But, you know, this is something. So the hard part of this story for me is that uh, I'm not very familiar with New Zealand. And that's the, the location of Cryptopia Exchange. And, you know, international law is very difficult for me to understand. So with a big with an exchange getting hacked in, you know, New Zealand, I don't know what this means. What, what does it mean to you? Let's go over the basics here. Cryptopia was hacked, surprising literally nobody. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've told people or we've said on this show, Cryptopia is dog shit. Hopefully you never use them. We very clearly never used their referral link. We've each had experiences on Cryptopia and it was always bad. So they were hacked. They sent out an email that said, yeah, we were hacked. We turned everything over to the authorities. They gave it to the New Zealand police. Now, when Kareem was with us on Tuesday, he mentioned that he's glad that it happened in a jurisdiction like New Zealand because they may have stricter laws that might make these people made whole. Um, but originally, when we were reporting this on Tuesday, it was reported that it was a $2.5 million get from this hack. Uh, since then, that number has climbed, and we've got reports of up to $15 million taken. So as big as that last story from the SEC was... This is three times as much value has been yanked from Cryptopia. People are saying that it might be an exit scam. I would not put that past a shitty small exchange like this in a bear market, which is why we continue to preach, get out of here. But there's some very circumstantial evidence that's been put out there that this is an exit scam. I'm not going to uh, repeat that. The thought that this may be an exit scam should be in the back of your mind. But instead, what we're dealing with is they've been hacked. They've turned everything over to the police. Um 
of course, somebody tried to send the money to Binance to sell it, and CZ fucking locked that shit down right away. He's like, uh, he, and then he tweeted about it. He's like, he was arrogant on Twitter. Yeah, I did see that. He was like, why would you send the money to me? You know, I'm gonna just lock it up and not let you have it. Like he was like, you know, and it's funny because centralized power and stuff. But there are times when you want that centralized power. For instance, when this happens, so he he basically he froze the funds, and he, he even said like. If you're a hacker, don't send it to Binance. I'm just going to freeze it. Like, find another way to sell it. And I'm like, bro, don't be giving them any ideas. What are you doing? They've stopped answering questions about this. The the exchange is just offline. They're in maintenance mode. And they said, we can't answer any more questions because it's been turned over to authorities, which is kind of a pseudo-adversarial stance to take. But it may just be like that's what they have to do with their loss. So we don't know that. Um, there's... Uh, all the wallets and everything that have been involved in this, we've got all that information in the show notes. Just another, be careful with your shitty exchanges. Like, I understand you want to get whatever the next moon coin is that's 400th on the market cap, but if you got to go to Cryptopia or hit BTC to do it, you're taking a much greater risk of having this happen to you than if you just do it on Binance. Maybe Binance doesn't have your token. Maybe there's a good fucking reason for that. And here's the thing. Whatever they stole, it, uh, first of all, I will say it doesn't appear to be involved in the Ethereum Classic reorg attacks. Uh, some people have equated the two uh, in the the Reddit sphere. I don't think so. Um, the So it wasn't involved in the ETC 51% attacks. So we don't think so. Here's what I will say, though. Whatever coin they targeted, whatever they actually stole, however they were able to hack it, it doesn't matter. Because this is so much money on such a small exchange that everyone's going to get fucked. If you are on Cryptopia, it doesn't matter if they hacked Ethereum Classic or it doesn't matter if they hacked Ethereum. It doesn't matter if they hacked Spank Chain. Whatever it is, everyone's going to bear the burden of this. They have not said they're going to cover these funds. They don't. There's no chance they have $15 million laying around to cover the funds. And We don't know. That's clearly speculation. I don't like, think so. I mean, not a change like this. W- listen, okay, let's pretend that... You know, that this number is true. 15 million is now missing, right? What does that mean was in play last January? Oh, yeah. It's so they only have a couple million dollars of trade volume a day. And that's one thing somebody mentioned. They were like, why are you holding 15 million or more in hot wallets where people can get at it when that's your trade volume in a day? Like, you don't need that. And, uh, and, but my point is like the, Trade volume is like a weird metric that's just based on current dollar prices, right? Where it's kind of the dollar prices of all these things have been very scaled all over the place. Um, This would have been a $150 million hack in January is what you mean? Right. So, and the fees that they were getting off all the stuff along the way would be at the prices then versus the prices now. I don't know. Like, if they have $15 to have... I'm guessing there's got to be more, right? Or yeah. they sh- I don't know. I don't want to I want to be the voice of reason here, but remember that what whatever they have if they have 15 million it has to be profit. So if if they have 50 15 million to pay this back, that's fine. They probably do. I don't know how much money they have on the on the exchange, but they have to have extra or else everybody's going to get fucked and they're only going to get 70% of their balance or something like that because they have to pay be because they have to bear the bur- the brunt of this 15 million. So now they're going to have to pay lawyers. They're going to have to deal with the police. Like the end result is going to be this is another forced huddle. This is going to be a. It's not going to be a necessarily a Mt. Gox situation, but it'll be close. And you're if you're counting on that money ever coming back to you, just 
stop counting on that. I mean, we don't. We, this, so you say Mount Gox, but you also mean like full tilt, Mount Gox, absolute poker, yeah. poker stars. And, and like, we, I mean, we have a lot of experience with this, actually. Yeah, we don't know that this is an exit scam. Like poker stars was not an exit scam. Poker stars, you still had to wait a long time to get your money. You got it all. But now this is happening with an asset that is completely volatile. So the look, maybe crypto goes up enough that everybody can get their U.S. dollar value back out of this. But the other scenario is it goes down and it's worth like like big rail or it's worth almost nothing. But the the end result is this is not good for anybody that was on Cryptopia. Do not you know get excited about this. They've already shut down communication with the community. Like this is. Um, we're going to be talking about this in six months as not being resolved. Uh, like six months from now, we're going to be on a flagship. So whatever happened with that Creepopia shit? I don't know. They got the police involved, and now it's going to take forever. I don't know. Those guys are on yachts, though. They're hanging out with Carlos Matos out of the island with with Oyster Pearl and Selling Herbal you know, Life. We'll have we'll have this shit coin Hall of Fame eventually. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm sorry if you were holding funds on Cryptopia. Everybody else, when you hear us say an exchange is shit. Um, we're not just saying that to be funny. Like the, although we do say a lot of things to be funny. Like I would not be surprised in the least if we see something like this happen on uh, Hippie DC in the near future. The, uh, or or any, I haven't used any of the other random little shit exchanges, so those are the only ones that I can talk shit about. But I would never use those ever again. Uh, my trust list is pretty small, so that's why we appreciate you. So. Uh- are we ready to move on to the next story? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's Excellent. go to something so, more positive. It's funny that you had a trust list as your exiting conclusion on the last story because if I was going to ask somebody, would BitTorrent be able to run on Tron? That person would probably be a former BitTorrent executive, and since they publicly said their opinion recently, we're going to report it to the listeners. What did they say? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is. This is the opinion of a of an employee that has kind of been disgruntled now. And this was originally Kareem grabbed the story from on, on Tuesday. So I'm going to do my best to kind of do it justice here. The story is basically that this guy was, well, first, last week we said good things about, not good things, just not negative things about Tron's BitTorrent coin. We said that actually kind of makes sense. And we were cautiously somewhat optimistic is fine. zero optimistic right so they so they wanted to create that that token uh there's a hundred million computers right now running on BitTorrent. if they were to go ahead and adopt this 100 million computers would need to be doing this on the tron network the magazine that did this was called breaker they reached out to a few executives and one of the guys uh their chief strategy officer is what his title was uh, si- simon morris he was there almost 10 years he kind of gave him like the the grand scheme story and how this works. Basically, he said, look, we were already working on something like this. We saw crypto. We saw all the money involved. And honestly, we were looking at it originally because it was a bubble. And he's he goes on to say basically that they decided to stick with it because they saw something there. One of, here's one of the quotes from him. But what's very clear is that they're going to say they're going in the same direction, come what may. But because that's what Tron does. It's basically a marketing machine layered on a very thin veneer of technology. So they took whatever they had started with here and ran with it and made it the bit the BitTorrent token. And this guy's just like, yeah, Tron's a marketing machine. That's what they're going to do. There's more to this story. So apparently this guy, after BitTorrent was acquired by Tron, he goes and has a personal visit with Justin Sun. You know what? I'm going to read another quote, Mike. 
He has a very nice. Hey, quotes are good. He has a very nice personality from a marketing point of view. He doesn't have a technical bone in his body. He wouldn't understand technically anything. But the approach that bothered me was the very Trumpian approach. If you get caught in a lie, the answer is you double down on the lie. It was the endless doubling down on lies that made me think it wasn't going to be a good fit. What did he mean by doubling down on the lies? Well, one of the things he brought up was the plagiarization of the white paper, right, and the code. So Justin's response was, and this is a quote here, we have come to consensus that this did not happen and have moved on. Justin is just like, nah, didn't happen. All right, so another thing that I see here is like, His choice of the word consensus to me is like that word means a lot more than other words he could have used there. And it's a lot more of an accepted word in this community as as just truth. Right. Like reaching consensus on something that by no means is anybody reaching consensus on is outrageous. Yeah. Like there's no other way to describe we're it. We're not we're not mining Justin's truth bombs, right? We're there's no fifty one percent attack on something that is literally provable. There, this wasn't conjecture. This was yes, Tron plagiarized this, and he could. We've said this a million times. He could have just said, "Yeah, we fucking did. Whatever. We moved on. We 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 did." No, he does. He chose not to do that. So the end result is this guy says, "Look, the BitTorrent token, the way that they have just proposed it, cannot run on the Tron network." He says, you'll hear all the bullshit out there. Oh, it's those 10,000 transactions. It's all crap. We were going to melt Tron, literally destroy it. So basically he's saying this is – if this goes out the way it's saying it's going to go out, it's going to bring the network to its knees. He even predicts what's going to happen is the whole like decentralization aspect is basically a flat-out lie, and they're going to sell it kind of like the Lightning Network is on, on Bitcoin – and they're gonna, it's going to be a layered solution that's centralized, which kind of is against, in theory, what BitTorrent is about. So this guy quit after this meeting because he's like, uh-uh, I, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to work with this guy. And he left. So presumably a reasonably paying job. However, if he's been the chief strategy officer for 10 years, he hasn't done shit with that because BitTorrent has not been a profitable company. They've gone through a few different owners and bankruptcies and that kind of thing. So um, – Actually, I don't know if they've done bankruptcies. I just know that they've been, uh, yeah, they've been shitty. So we'll see if this actually happens. And um, you know, we said what we said something not too awful about Tron last week, and then they made us regret that shit right away. And also, they had this whole thing going on with their Tron Foundation giving a grant to these people for making programs. It was a contest, and the contest had structured payouts. And the day before the contest, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna change all those payouts." And there's more to it. I don't even know. They didn't tell anybody. I think they they just received smaller payouts. No, the, the like day was, before they were just like, yeah, the payout oh, it was, was the day before. And then everybody's like, what the fuck? Because the minimum payout was supposed to be five thousand dollars, and it went to a thousand. So we won't get into that. Uh, uh, we did talk about that on Tuesday, but you know, I don't want to like have a whole episode bashing Tron. If you're interested in looking at that, just look it up. Look at uh, it was one of the top posts on Reddit cryptocurrency this week, and uh, it. There's definitely some shady shit going on at the Tron Foundation with that contest. And they definitely agreed that they changed their payouts. And Tron started to climb its way up and then fell right back down for me. However, little spoiler, Forrest actually likes both Tron and Cardano. And I don't know how many people fall into that category in life. And he's taken it from the 
perspective of a developer, he said it was pretty easy to develop on Tron. So look for look for a little bit more on that on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything in particular good to say about Tron, but, you know, I, I recognize that every project has its pros and cons and, you know, they have to do something right, right? Like, <laughs> they have to. I'm done talking about Tron, Mike. It looks like you're just on SEC today. I, you were talking about the SEC before. I think you're going to be talking about the SEC again. So why don't you go ahead and tell us some more about yeah, this is uh, something we've t- we've discussed a couple times, but um, there's a little bit of an update. So we've discussed the bipartisan bill that was being presented by Darren Soto of Florida. Tom Emmer is a Republican. I don't know his state, but anywho, it was a bipartisan bill that was submitted before uh, Congress um, took a recess for a little while. We didn't expect them to be brought up again so quickly. However, um, it's already been submitted as House Resolution 528. And it's titled to provide a safe harbor from licensing and registration for certain non-controlling blockchain developers and provider of blockchain services. So the article here is addressing that this is going to address the laws regarding transferring of money, which is a huge deal. You know, we don't need taxable events after every little thing that happens in crypto. Um, But more importantly, it's also, you know, discussing how we're opening a couple more bills coming up. There's the resolution supporting digital currencies and blockchain technology, as well as another one called the Blockchain Regulatory Certainty Act. So a lot of good things coming up in 2019. I hope we get some clarity and I hope we can understand like what this all means in the big picture. You know, we talk a lot about the U.S. falling behind on something like this, moving slow. Hopefully this prevents that and makes sure that we stay at least up to par with the rest of the world. Regulatory certainty is absolutely necessary for this to be something that continues with innovation in the United States. I mean, you know, some of these things do function similar to securities, but it really is a new, different asset class. It needs different regulations, and I know people hate that. Like, Gemini ran that ad that said, uh, you know, crypto needs to be regulated. Everybody freaked out. Like, not crypto itself needs to be regulated, but you need to know what your jurisdiction's regulations with regard to crypto are. They don't need to restrict Absolutely. what you do with it, but they need you need to know what you do and when you interact certain ways, how that affects you. So we don't have that in the United States. Other places do. We envy the lot of you that have it elsewhere. One thing we did talk about on the RCC that we're not going to talk about today was an, an Ethereum uh, grant to parity. And I know that that was something that you could argue is definitely questionable. However, uh, what is this update about um, Ethereum Constantinople? Okay, so the Ethereum Constantinople upgrade has been delayed again. Um, and the, the only reason I actually kind of noticed this is because Charles decided to talk shit about it for some reason. And, and we say... You opened that up. I didn't plan on mentioning that, but we actually had a really interesting conversation in our Discord server. Hey, if you're not in our Discord server and want to join, check the show notes. Uh, Charles is slowly creeping into the conversation for people that are so smart that they're embarrassing. Here's the thing. He, He says a lot of stuff publicly. Like he does surprise AMAs. He does. That is a good point. He does all these tweets. He's constantly <laughs> tweeting. He's constantly on stage. It's not going to take long before you find a quote from Charles Hoskinson that you can say is like kind of a problem, right? And he has a very he has a big disagreement with Vitalik. So, all right. Uh, actually, hold on. I got to stop you here just because 
All right. So as somebody that wants to listen and learn and be mentored by the people in this industry, I respect and, you know, when he speaks, most of it is over my head. And then the only things that I can really understand is when he gets childish. So I guess that's that makes sense. That's why it stands out because I, I have I have no ability to fact check most things that come out of his mouth except when he's immature. I will tell you, as somebody who does consume a lot of his stuff, the percentage of time that he's immature is very low. People attack Cardano all the time. He doesn't go f- fight with them. He's not a David Sonstabo. He does have a massive ego. He does deserve to have a massive ego. So, like, I get it. You know, he's one of the best. How old is David Sonsabo compared to Charles? I don't know the age differences. I mean, I know Charles. And and, and and this is something that we have no control over. But what was David Sonsabo like in his late 20s? Yeah, or is he, he may still be in his late 20s. I don't know. Yeah, this is something I have no idea. I'm assuming. I feel like most people in crypto are either 49 or 29. <laughs> Look, everybody's going to do some maturing, and Charles, if you asked him about it, not that I would want to, but if you asked him about the do you know who I am tweet, he probably regrets it, right? This isn't even that bad. So basically what he did was this upgrade was delayed, and he was just like, oh, maybe you guys should do some fucking peer review on your shit like we do. It was funny. He's not wrong, and like he has a very contentious but also professional-ish relationship with Vitalik. So they kind of hate each other, but they are respectful in the something way they I mentioned, Something I mentioned in the Discord, we have no idea what their personal lives are like. You and I could easily, if somebody wanted to view it, could say that you and I have a disdainful relationship in the public eye, right? Because I would happily make fun of you yeah. on any medium imaginable without understanding what section of people are viewing that. Yeah, right? I have a good example of this. So on Twitter one time, you responded to a guy's tweet with a link to our episode and said, hey, you should check out this episode. It's a really good episode. <laughs> And the guy that you were responding to was Brian Lee, who was the person who was on the episode. So facts. So what did we do? I made a meme of the uh, J.R. Smith, like LeBron, being like, "What the fuck?" And I, I put his picture on there and I put it in response. So yeah, if somebody took that in a vacuum, they would probably be like, "Wow, these guys like don't like each other at all." And it's it's interesting. I believe that guy's tweets probably ended up in my timeline because either you followed him or Twitter knows I like people that are interact with crypto basic you know, Twitter account, he ended up in my timeline as a random to me, (laughs) but I thought I was promoting the podcast. Turns out, obviously he, he was right there with me. Yeah, that was great. So the, it it was a good meme and, uh, it was, it was a good way. So yeah, we don't know how they would react, how they would talk to each other over beer or what they would say on the phone to each other. They, or yeah, they, they might just do that regularly. Like it might be like 10 times meaner in their texts, but like they can joke about it. And, and what they show to the public is just a small slice of the big picture. It's really hard to tell, or they might actually hate each other and they might like be plotting each other's deaths. Who knows? Anyway, uh, I think he should get a little bit more slack than that. And I would I would afford such a thing to others. Like people will say, you don't think David gets that slack, but you think Charles gets that slack just because you like Cardano. Not true. David's way more aggressive. He goes after the public. He he goes after he tells people they're being paid to to knock his project. And to be fair, I haven't seen any of this shit in a few years. He or in a in a few years, in a crypto years, like a few months. 
Anyway, let's. Uh, I'm moving on past this stuff. I got to finish my story, Mike. I, I was trying to talk about Constantinople being delayed. So basically, Constantinople was just trying to upgrade the transaction speed, and they it was a hard fork, but it was a hard fork mainly to make everyone's nodes uh, upgrade. So the way you have to interact with the Ethereum chain after the Constantinople upgrade is your node has to be upgraded to the current node. This Okay, so stop. This makes a ton of sense because there's a lot of apps where you can have optional upgrades or mandatory upgrades. Yeah. And mandatory upgrades are like, hey, you can't run this app until you do this. I've seen that plenty of times personally. That makes sense. Yeah, so right now you can run whatever version of uh, your your node that you want that's changing and it's going to make the network more stable and it's going to make it more and it's going to make it faster. But a smart contract audit firm called Chain Security flagged the EIP 1283 is what Ethereum Improvement Protocol 1283 showing a loophole that could lead to stolen funds that basically worked just like the DAO hack. Uh, you basically start spamming re-entrancy attacks um, multiple times to withdraw funds forever. That's how you would steal. So the core development team agreed. They delayed the hard fork. And this is the second delay for Constantinople. And I can see how some people were getting annoyed by this. And they were like, ah, come on. Like, we keep hearing this is going to happen. What is going on? Um, but erring on the side of caution is much better. And also, the fact that this security firm caught it like two days before it was supposed to go live. Good fucking job. What if they hadn't? What? And to Charles's point here, even though he was hitting him with a needle that he maybe didn't need to hit him with. He's right. They're not, yeah, he's not getting wrong. their code peer-reviewed. Now, luckily, this peer, Chain Security, did review it, and they did find it. If they had done it in a way where it was actively being tested and trying to poke holes in it and trying to find issues, people would complain that it was taking too long. But guess what? When it comes out, there's not going to be a DAO hack. So um, there's, there's some sort of happy medium here, and it's why something like Cardano gets a lot of flack for being uh, vaporware or being like... You know, they haven't produced a product yet. Everybody else is pushing their shit out too fast and they're having problems. What this says to me more than anything else is that uh, we're still super early in this whole process. I personally have been looking a lot deeper into Bitcoin itself recently. And I installed a Lightning Network node on my computer. What I'm realizing is that, like, I don't know how much of a need there are going to be for most of these chains. And we've talked about this a lot. Ethereum has so many people working on it and a lot of these projects have so many really quality teams working on it and they're going to do some pretty solid things but what i'm really 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 coming around on is that there's so many problems that haven't even been thought of yeah we're creating the virtual landscape for a virtual world and this bitcoin is going to allow so many things to exist that have never existed before i I just have so many I, I don't know what else what else do you need other than Bitcoin, right? Like Lightning Network is a massive solution on top it is a massive problem solver and it's doing incredible things. This and it seems like anything that you want to solve can be layered onto Bitcoin. And it's just a matter of how much centralization you yeah, want. That's the problem. You you're you're giving up a lot of centralization for it. So these other projects are really trying to decentralize things. And also remember Bitcoin is gonna to start to be stagnant with their innovation as as any system becomes larger and more widely adopted it becomes more conservative in nature and that's what's happening with bitcoin they are 
really hesitant to make any big overarching changes to the to the code, which is fine, but that stifles innovation, which is why you need other projects to continually innovate and make this better. We have X number of developers and people in the cryptocurrency space, a certain number of them working with Bitcoin, a certain number of them working with Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. This is the global experiment that's being yeah. run, right? And and I'm super fascinated to see where it ends. And and I I understand more that market cap to me is confidence in the future of that research. Yeah. And and Bitcoin is still in the lead in my eyes, and Ethereum's probably number two in my eyes. Um, we'll see where else, you know, what else this is going to be. There's a, there's a couple of sites out there that are trying new ways of looking at this rather than just straight up market cap. They're looking at like how much is being done in the GitHub. They're looking at how many transactions happen. They they're looking at uh, how many of the coins haven't been moved in such period of time that they can be taken out of the market cap and that kind of thing. So. Um, I feel like we're going to have a different standard than market cap very soon. Uh, the people that design those will also probably be able to make a lot of money off of that information. Yeah, maybe. Which is good. That's I'm it's. Right that. If you treat each individual coin like a DFS player, where the price is some calculations, like it's easy to know which ones are good buys and which ones are bad buys. If you can just really extrapolate the info over a large amount. I don't know. I I think it's really hard to know which ones are good and which ones are bad buys. These aren't players with, with skills and abilities and systems. These are entire ecosystems that the tiniest wind of something can completely topple them. And that's why it's an an impossible game to solve. I, like I'm saying, the the species in this game theory is is very complex. It's so complex that I don't think it can be solved. But there are there are always going to be greater people doing a greater job than somebody like myself because I'm a limited resources individual. Yeah, and I don't know anything about code. So, <laughs> all right, Mike, did you know that Binance opened a new exchange? <laughs> I didn't until today. Where did they open it? All right, well. Uh, this is a plug. You can go to CryptoBasicPodcast.com slash Binance or just click on our link in the show notes. We have an affiliate link for this site. You don't get anything for clicking on it, but if you're going to sign up for it anyway, give us some credit. Binance.je is Binance Jersey. So when one of our Discord members posted that in the Discord that Binance was running a fiat exchange, I was like, oh, awesome. And it's in Jersey. That's great. It's U.S. regulated. I'm such a stupid-ass American that... Obviously, New Jersey was named for actual Jersey, and that is where it is uh, located. So it doesn't actually accept U.S. customers. So if you're a non-U.S. customer, <laughs> wait, 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 I got, a, I got a better story. I didn't know there was an actual place called Jersey. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, I, and and I knew that, and I'm just dumb and didn't even think about it. Um, yes, there's a place called York as well, <laughs> which, huh. <laughs> So well, I I think I knew that one. I knew that. That's where the York peppermint patty came from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! All right. So what matters about this exchange? What is who who does this matter for? Uh, So the exchange is for non-U.S. customers. If you want to find a way to get, um, if if you want to find a way to get fiat onto into crypto, they have. uh, they have pounds and they have euros and they will exchange with Ethereum and Bitcoin, I think, are the only two on there right now. So, uh, yep, 
that's it. Uh, it's based in actual Jersey, and and you can um, you can do that if you're not a U.S. citizen. So check it out in the show notes. You have some credit where credit is due. Not obviously not giving us credit for knowing the names of things that are outside. <laughs> Geography is not my strong point. I actually put a world map in shower curtain in my in my shower because I'm so bad. Uh, at here's it. the thing: the only reason I actually know this uh, is I met somebody once who had a really thick British accent, and they were like, "I'm from Jersey," and I'm like, "Jersey," <laughs> and I was like, "What are you? What? Like you were born in Jersey?" They're like, "Yeah, I was born in Jersey," and they, and they're they're telling me this in a thick accent, and um, it took, and they were like, "No, you idiot." Jersey, not new, not New Jersey, and I'm like, oh yeah. See, I didn't even know that that there was an actual Jersey. I honestly, I just thought the word Jersey meant something else. I thought it was just like a term that you know could be defined later. Yeah. I think it's an island. I I'm not actually sure, I, but I think it's an island. <laughs> so they they showed up. Well, well, this is New York. This is New Jersey. This is the new other thing. This is New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh my god. So this triggered a mailbag question. So Yeah. Let's moon. Much seduction. I'll take you to the mailbag shop. I'll let you click the Discord up top. Go ahead, cream, don't you stop. Keep going till you hit the all-time high. Mailbag. So, somebody said our our rapid fire drop changed. That that changed forever ago. It used to be like the and then it changed to like a beep beep beep. It was like, yeah, oh, let's go back to the other one. Why? No, why is it's that better? A thing? It's less like it, it hurts your ears less. It's like uh, so turn the volume down on the sound clip. It, nah, it's not even that. It's because it levelates, and then you'd have to go. It would be a bitch to try and turn that down, and then the way it, being level, it's kind of like, all right, listeners. Somebody get me a quieter version of this to print. I, I don't know how to do it. Tell me how to do it. I'll do it. I don't care. We need we need the old sound drop back. No excuses. Tag at Brent. You've been bragging for a long time with the podcast that you're banned from Coinbase. I was wondering what you use instead from Early Adopter 310. Okay. Uh, Early Adopter 310. My main onboarding ramp is Square Cash. Um, I don't even know if we keep that in the show notes anymore because nobody ever te- uh, nobody ever used it. But we had a, like, we get $5, you get $5. Square Cash has a real easy way to switch between Bitcoin and Fiat. And you can send your Bitcoin off of Square Cash. So generally, I will – I've said this before. I'll go to like Chipotle and not get the soda and then buy $2 worth of Bitcoin. They don't have any trading fees, but they do have a spread. So there's going to be better ways. This is just what I chose to do. Interface is super clean. There's a debit card attached so they can even function as like a, a crypto debit card. Generally, what I'm doing is buying the uh, – the yeah, <laughs> Mike's showing me the Chipotle power-up that he's got from from today yeah the, with the bitcoin purchase right above it there you what happens is you, you can do these power-ups and one of them is chipotle 15 percent off so what i do is i yeah if i don't get the soda if i if i swipe a chipotle i take whatever i saved and i put it into bitcoin so that's one of the i got an email that said i saved 99 cents so i purchased 99 cents worth of bitcoin added it to my portfolio yep. move on so it, it's kind of like my own acorns that costs a little bit more or takes a little bit more of my time. So that's what I do. Um, and then I send that to Binance or whatever if I want to buy an altcoin. If I don't want to buy an altcoin, I just leave it there in Bitcoin. Um, if it gets too high, then I'll send it to my ledger. And then from there, I if I need to cash out, I cash out with Abra. So I send the 
Um, I send the money back to Abra and then I cash out that way, which we should have a, an affiliate link for that at some point. But and then I can't. And Abra's, you've been using Abra? Yeah. I, I haven't been able to get it to work with my with my debit account. Oh, it's super, super quick and easy for me. So maybe I got lucky. Maybe I was early. I don't know. So that's where I cash out if I need to cash out. Haven't been doing much of that lately. But, you know, back in like, you know, February, maybe I cashed the money out. And that's my whole process start to finish. And sometimes I'll sell it to people. Sometimes I'll buy it from people like Mike. Mike's really good at knowing when a coin hits its all-time high and selling it to me. So, uh, Or Brent just FOMOs hard. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the actual answer. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that. Did we get any other mailbag questions? No, nah, I think that'll do it. All right. Um, Anything else we want to touch on? No, we didn't get any Patreon members this week. I was excited that we hadn't missed a week of any new Patreon members. Uh, but if you are considering you're on the fence about Patreon, I can tell you if we can get this non-fungible token thing working, we're going to add another perk to the Patreon. So $1 an episode is what we're begging for. We need your help to keep this podcast going, keep it independent, and keep it uh, keep it reasonably ad-free other than what we've just been saying. Um, once we actually get real ads in here, then one of the other perks of the Patreon members is you won't be getting any ads. Uh, but for now, we're just doing the dumb shit that we say ourselves at the beginning of the episode. So we've appreciated every last dollar that we've gotten so far. It, it blew me away how many of you were willing to help us out and, and keep us going. And we're feeling the love, man. I feel re-energized in a bear market and thank you to Patreon members. Thanks to the founding members, uh, all the people that are, you know, kind of nodes in our network, you know, Anthony Lusardi and, you know, others, you know, we appreciate all of you guys. We know that your time's valuable. We're just going to keep on trucking on and, you know, who knows where this space is going to go. Join our discord. If you want to be a part of the conversation, rate us on iTunes and uh, we're, we're still on there believe it or not, and subscribe on all of the different mediums. And last but not least, this is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are idiots. Yes, we are. Do your own research. And, and do it better than the idiots do. Because we're idiots. Always remain skeptical. Never invest in more than you can afford to lose. All investments have inherent risk. 